Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Ladies and gentlemen, today on An Actor Despairs, I am celebrating five years without a drink or a line. It has been an incredible and dark and wild journey, but I am grateful to be here. With that being said, I wanted to have a very special guest for today, someone who was there at the last moments that I had my drinks and has been a really great figure and a great friend and someone that's really helped me stay on the straight and narrow. And I love him, and he's also sober, and we have a great relationship. Uh, I'm so excited that he finally did it, and he's the best guy, and he's got a movie coming out in the spring, and I love you. Here it is with Gabriel Kane Day-Lewis. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Gabriel Kane Day-Lewis, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great, Ryan. Thanks for having me on your show. Dude, it means so much, man. It's crazy, you know, we're coming up. I've known you for six years about now. I'd met you in 2016. Uh-huh. And uh, this is, you know been such an interesting relationship because like you meet people in life and sometimes like they're people that I've known since I'm eight, but I'm not that close to, you know what I mean? And then the people that you meet and you just feel like you have such a fundamental understanding of one another. Absolutely. And your fundamental experiences and things, you just connect on such a profound level. And uh, it's no secret that, you know, I deal with demons of sobriety and, you know, addiction and all of those things. And you are the only friend other than Will that, you know, was there at my rock bottom. And you were a total bro and a total gentleman. And um, we've come to be very great friends. And I really, you know, worship our friendship because uh, it's hard to have that kind of understanding, you know, someone that was there at one of the worst moments of your life. And you've been a total bro. And, uh, you know, I love working out with you, man. You know, <laughs> and all the all the, all the positive things that we do. And we, we've laughed a lot, like watching stupid shit. Yeah. And um, I'm just so fucking proud of you, man. You just finished a movie. And we've seen a lot together, a lot of different, you know, mental states. And dude, I'm just so proud of you. Man. Oh, man. When I when I saw you were doing that, man, it just, uh, you know, I'm a struggling actor, man. And it just seeing you do it, man, <laughs> it really, it made me so happy. Thanks, Ryan. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. That means the world. And yeah. Listen, like I, you know, I just want to take a second to celebrate you and your sobriety. I'll start off by saying like... When we met about five or six years ago, I think you'd been sober for a little bit. 99 days and I relapsed. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And I was there yeah. the night you relapsed, the night you picked up a drink. Yeah. And I actually vividly remember saying to you, you do not look happy. Like something's different. Yeah, There's I remember something... you saying that. Remember yeah. I looked you and yeah. I, we were at some fashion week event yeah. in Paris, I yeah, believe. Yeah, the and... girl from in the, the, my beautiful crush, Melanie Laurent. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. She was there looking beautiful. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and you were certainly crushing really hard. Yeah. Um and yeah. I remember yeah. I remember there was something your the the light in your eyes had dimmed and I remember feeling like something was off and I, I didn't know you well no, but we just but, met yeah but you're so charismatic and and you've got so much life and energy and charisma about you that you make a a very strong impression you know when you're sober and so i met you when you were sober and then and then we had that night out with our mutual friend yeah. will and i remember just seeing that there was something really off about your energy and i said something to you about it and i remember how your face fell when I said that, because I think that you had this sort of like 
realization in that moment that, you know, you had, uh, you know, you had slipped and that it showed, you know, and it wasn't something that just showed on a physical level. It's something that I felt, you know, Um, because I myself also um, have struggled with addiction. And, you know, um, it's, uh, it's something that I feel connected us, you know, from the get go. And I just, I could just feel the shift in your energy. And then I remember from that moment on, you made it your utmost priority to get back on the straight and narrow and to turn your life around and like, look at you now, man, that light is back in your eyes. You look healthier than ever. That laugh, you know, I'm so glad that you made the conscious decision to turn your life around and get back on the horse because only good things can happen from being sober. That's one thing that, you know, I've been sober and I've been out as we call it, you know, I've been, I've been inactive addiction and hands down, sobriety is always the greatest gift and only good things ever come from being sober one thing that i've had to learn the hard way is that when i'm not sober my life falls apart my spirituality falls apart and my ability to manage relationships whether they be family relationships romantic or friendships i'm just completely incapable of showing up for others and those that I care about. And multiple beautiful things that sobriety has offered me is a chance to really sort of tap into the power of prayer, you know, and and I pray from a not as a non-religious person, I wasn't raised religious, but, you know, the power of prayer, the power of meditation, the understanding of a higher power and sobriety is so much more than just abstinence. You know, it's so much more than just not using drugs or drinking as a coping mechanism right. or as, uh, you know, for to seek relief. To me, it's I've learned how to be of service to others and show up for others in my life through being sober. And I know that you've been able to do the same, you know, in your sobriety. And I, you know, you're about to reach the five-year mark yeah. um, of not picking up a drink. And it really shows. I feel it in your energy. I see it in your eyes. And I'm so proud of you, man. I love you so much, man. Thank, thank you for saying that. It's not, it's not been easy, as I'm sure... You or anyone listening ever dealing with that knows whether yeah. you're in or out of the rooms. And uh, but you, let's let's talk about happy things and butterflies and and in <laughs> Ireland. And uh, so, t- dude, were you born in France or in Ireland or where did you grow up? I always have a hard time answering that question. You know, when people ask me where I'm from, because I bounced around a lot as a kid. Yeah. I was born in New York, but neither of my parents are American. My mom strategically came to New York City a few months into her pregnancy, gave birth to me, and then whisked me back to Paris, which is where I grew up. My mom's French. Um, So I spent the first third of my life there. I moved to live with my dad's side of the family at about the age of 13. I lived in rural Ireland for a couple of years, went to school there and was living with my half-brothers. And then from Ireland, uh, we all moved to New York as a family. Um, that was in 2011. I was 16. Wow. And I've been more or less based here ever since. So I, you could say I'm American by birth, half French, so half three Irish. three passports then? So I don't have two European passports okay. because one is sufficient. Yeah. <laughs> I do have the option to yeah. get an Irish passport. Bond is casting, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Listen, about that. <laughs> 
um, but yeah, I, uh, yeah. you know, I, I have a French passport and an American passport. That's amazing, man. So then when you grew up in France, you know, did you, do you have memories of that or do, do they not? Cause like we're at a certain age where you, you start to lose your childhood memories sure. and mine are very sparse and I remember yep. certain things and colors and textures. Like, do you have an awareness of growing up there? Was it in Paris you grew up or? I was living in Paris from the age of one to 13. Yeah. Obviously, I can only remember as far back as about like, you know, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Um, anything before that is a little bit hazy. Um, but yes, I do have a lot of memories of my time spent growing up in Paris. And, you know, I have a lot of memories from, you know, because I would go back there to visit my mother um, and still do um, for the holidays. And when I started modeling, I would yeah. go out there for fashion week and for photo shoots. So I think the fresher and more vivid memories I have of Paris are the more recent ones, yeah. you know, of my time spent in the last years um, going there for work or for my mother and my older brother. But I do have some memories from being in middle school there and some very fond ones at that, too. I, I was going to add, was, was it a good time? Like, yeah. I, feel like, I don't know what growing up in Paris would be like. Is is that cool? Or do you, I mean, you don't really have, a, I guess, a, a way to compare it to later, you know? Here's what I'll say to that. I think that now that I've really experienced New York, it would be hard for me to go back to Paris just because mm. I fell completely head over heels in love with New York City when I moved here. Yeah. Um, and that's why I've been here for 11 years. But I, you know, I do love Paris. There are a lot of great things about that city. And I'm always happy to go there and spend time there. But I don't see myself ever moving back there, you know? Because you did when I, you know, because while I've known you, you went back for like a year, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah you remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I went back there uh, for a year just because I felt like I needed to take a break from New York. Yeah. And I felt like there wasn't much left for me there. Um, I just, I think like once you've tasted New York, it's hard to go back, yeah. you know, just that diversity, that, you know, cultural energy, yeah. diversity and, and people from all walks of life. And it's this energetically charged conveyor belt of people from all around the world. And it's one big melting pot. And that's just something that New York is so specific and authentic to New York, which is very hard to find anywhere else. And I think that, um, you know, Paris is also... So obviously a major city, but it just doesn't offer that same diversity, diversity and acceptance and open mindedness and yeah. progressiveness. So the stereotypes are rooted in some kind of truth a little bit. Yeah. Uh, or no, or they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny, man. Well, so obviously both your parents are artists and I'm, I'm curious at a young age, you know, because like I knew you when I met you, you were doing a lot of music, you know, like you had just by nature of your parents, a lot of exposure to the arts. It goes one or two ways. You're either interested in them or you want nothing to do with it. As sure. you were growing up, how were you feeling about it, you know? Yeah, I've always been curious about the arts. I mean, I picked up my first instrument when I was 10, and I've been playing piano and guitar. I'm mostly self-taught, but I was writing songs um, and you sing? when I was 13. Yeah, yeah and I sing. Oh, we should call this uh, episode a musician despairs. That's what I'm calling it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it looked like yeah, for me. Yeah. Um, I was dead set tunnel vision locked into the idea of becoming a musician, a singer songwriter specifically. Like Ed Sheeran style. Yeah, or, yeah exactly. Yeah, 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 Actually, yeah. he's one of my biggest inspirations in terms of his songwriting. Yeah. 
you know, I set out to become an accomplished musician. I, I wanted nothing more than to share my music with the world. And, you know, it's just such a competitive industry. Yeah. I went to Berklee College of Music for a little bit. And I found it really hard to keep up because um, most of my core classes were made up of theory, composition, ear training, harmony, music technology. And these are all things I had absolutely or little to no background in. Right. And I found myself sort of flailing to keep up with the workload. I had no foundation of classical training whatsoever. And I just felt like I could feel myself falling behind and really sort of despairing. Yeah. And when I made the decision to leave Berkeley. I continued uh, pursuing a career in music. You know, I was writing songs. I was collaborating. I was in the studio every week. And, uh, you know, uh, year after year, I made plans to release songs that I then, you know, went back on. And, and sometimes I released songs and actually, like, took them down from streaming yeah, platforms. Yeah, like Ink in My Veins. Is that still available? That's or? still available. Yeah, there, yeah. Are, there are a couple songs you can still find on all the, uh, the streaming platforms. But I just – I don't know. I, I There was – there was an aspect of the vulnerability that comes with putting yourself out there with music that you've, you know, written from the heart that just, I feel like I lacked the ability to make myself as vulnerable as it takes to, you know, really be able to make yeah. a career out of it. And as time went by, I came to find that music actually had the adverse effect of like why I even started creating music and writing songs, which is for its therapeutic value. I found that it started stressing me out more than giving me that sense of relief that I found when I first started writing songs. It was at that point when I realized that it was more stressful and creatively stifling, you know, because of the pressures of like, you know, because at the end of the day, like I still had to make a living. It was yeah. about my, you know, it, it wasn't just about sharing music with the world. It was also about success, you know, and I just found that the juice didn't feel like it was worth the squeeze in totally. the end, you know, yeah. and sometimes I hear a great song on the radio or I have a few friends that are musicians that have been putting music what, out your homie dylan right that's, yeah yeah that's actually who i had in yeah. mind when i said yeah, that yeah you know dylan Har I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> dylan hardigan yeah. is so talented yeah. and he just put out his first album and when i listened to it i mean i'd heard some of the songs before they came out but when i when i heard the finished uh product i i couldn't help but wonder what if i tapped back into it what if i dipped my toe course, back into the that's music that's what great pond? art does yeah absolutely yeah. it makes you want to do that yeah. too yeah. you know it's so and good it should be mine you know absolutely <laughs> yeah. i should have i wish i'd yeah. written that song yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh you know there nothing's to say that you know i can't eventually go do back it, yeah. to my roots which are essentially music and writing songs but you know for the time being i decided to explore a career change and that's where i started making the transition into acting and acting has been i mean i'm so in love with the films i was raised on good cinema i consider myself a cinephile i i'm very passionate about movies Particularly like real cinema because your mother's a French actress, so you know all the great French films, yeah. right? Yeah. I was raised on really, really good French films, and then I moved in with my dad and I started watching all the 90s Scorsese gangster movies, yeah. <laughs> you know. But did, uh, did you ever get familiar with like Irish cinema? You know, is it a little like, bit? Yeah. I mean, yeah. John Borman was a neighbor of ours, yeah. and you know, he's he's a great Irish director, yeah. and you know, Jim Sheridan's also a family friend. He's he's a big Irish producer, and you know, I was definitely. You know, I saw my left foot when I was, I think I was 14 or 15 the first time I saw that. And, and that is just such a beautiful piece of Irish cinema. And I'm, yeah. not, I'm not just saying that because, you know, m m my dad's in it, but... Your dad? Um, I'm just kidding. 
and I read the you know Christy Moore's autobiography as well, yeah. and it's just such an amazing story. I mean, geez, I, I don't know if you've seen the movie. But... Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's amazing. Anyways, I don't want to get sidetracked, but you know, to go back to your question about like the arts and what, like, yeah. So let's let's uh, to get there. Let's go from we talked about Paris. Let's go from thirteen to sixteen in Ireland. Do yeah. you remember those years? Absolutely. Like, what was it like going from such an urban, even though it's not maybe New York City conveyor belt energy, to you know a countryside town? Because I personally. I wouldn't deal with that well, you know, like mm-hmm. that too much alone time for me is, is not good. How was that for you socially as a kid, educationally? Like, was that hard for you? I mean, it was a drastic change, you know, the difference between, you know, growing up, going to an international school in the city of Paris to then, you know, uh, rural Ireland in the Wicklow Hills. Going Public to- school? It was a, it was a, no, it was not public school, but it was, um, you know, it was a a Catholic rugby playing school and we all had to wear uniforms. I mean, that was, it was a bit of a culture shock for me, but I love Ireland. I love the Irish. Just to say when I was in Paris, you know, I was always when I was in middle school, but I was, you know, always in our school plays and musicals. I played the Scarecrow in Wizard of Oz. I played. Did you really? I, play, <laughs> I can see that. I played. Yeah, <laughs> gonna fall around, <laughs> falling on my butt. Um, and I played Macbeth in a sort of like tone. No way. Down. Yeah, it was like it was a middle school version. Oh, dude, of Macbeth, we gotta get but... one going together. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be Lady Macbeth. Yeah. It'll be very Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. My my dad and 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 my second youngest brother actually flew out to see me in that, which was such a nice memory. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, anyways, back to Ireland. I uh, you know I I got really involved in the extracurricular program when I was there, and I was part of this amazing production of Guys and Dolls, where I yeah. played Sky Masterson, which was such a fun experience. Oh man, so, those those school plays when you do musicals together, they're just like. It's such a good energy. God, it's yeah. such a it's such a high. It was like yeah. four months of Dude. preparation for two matinees and two soirees. And next thing I know, we're You're done. You're despairing, and it's so sad. I miss my friends. Straight, I miss straight back yeah. into the despair. <laughs> I know it well, dude. Bye, bye, Birdie was mine. <laughs> yeah, four months of prep work for yeah. two days of performances. Oh, and God. I didn't but those know nights are so fun. You know? Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah, yeah. There's some of the best best experiences of my life. Forgive me, I didn't. I mean, I know a little bit about Irish history, but like geographically, you're in the north or the south? Or southwest. Southwest. Yep. So were you traveling much around Ireland or? Not really. We went to the Kerry Film Festival one year and then um, my dad's side of the family is very partial to the west of Ireland. It's beautiful. It's on the coast. And so we've, you know, we've been there a little bit as well. Um, but no, we were mostly just, you know, home based. Yeah. That's and, awesome. Yeah. And then were you like obviously having that, you know plays over time like were you playing music and writing a lot then or what yes. was you- my younger brother he was playing piano at the time we had this amazing grand piano in our living room and nice. uh so I'd, I'd you know i'd write a lot of songs on that i was in the school choir you know i actually sang with hosier no way yeah, uh, yeah when i first moved to ireland and i went to uh my school st jared's uh hosier was uh, a sixth year which is the equivalent of 12th grade and i joined the school choir and he was the lead singer in the school choir so wow. yeah right before you graduated. Take me to church. 
Oh, he took a stand. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, he went off to become a singer-songwriter superstar, um, Pride of Ireland. <laughs> Wait, is your dad British, Irish, or Irish? Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. he's, he's, he's half and half. So do you spend much time in London at all, or um, no, not really? Not really, not really. I mean, I like England, but I, I think Ireland's just what I was sort of introduced to as a kid. And yeah. That's where I love to spend time, you know, when I go back to that part of the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't – I mean, aside from, you know, some of the work that I've done in fashion and some family um, get-togethers, I, I haven't spent that much time in England or, or London. Um, it's but, right um, in my bottom, actually. So Is it? Yeah. Well, that's right. Almost died, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. I, yeah. I remember that yeah, story. My yeah, God, yeah. you were in that we hotel FaceTime. room, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it great that you don't have to oh, live like God, that anymore? <laughs> Just thinking about it makes me want to – Yeah. But – uh. I'm curious then, you know, obviously Ireland, Paris, like, did you ever have a relationship with theater? Yeah. Uh, so the only relationship I've ever really had with theater was the theater experience that I got in middle and high school. Yeah. Um, but every year I was always in the play. I always auditioned for it. And I've never worked as a professional theater actor. Yeah. But um, the work that I did do as a teenager at the schools that I went to, I, I, I really enjoyed. And, and it's something I would be completely open to doing again. Yeah. I, I, I think theater is like... I'm you writing know, a play now, so I'll call you. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious then, man. I mean, talk to me because, uh, you know, I, I've heard about it in movies and friends doing it, but I always find people that have to move in at 16 to probably be the hardest thing you could ever put a, a kid or a teenager through because it's just like that's when you know your friends and things like that. And I'm not saying that is, is any bad look on, on parents. I've just It happened to you, you know, and usually that's like military or arts, you know. So yeah. when that happened for you, was that a hard time to go from like having a footing in Paris, then having a footing in Ireland to then having to reestablish yourself in New York? I mean, listen, I think – you know, I lacked some stability there, but I will say like, I, you know, when I moved in with my dad's side of the family, we're such a tight knit and loving, you know, family. It made the transition that much more seamless. Obviously as a kid, got a like great stepmother as well. Oh, right. She's yeah. the best. Yeah. yeah. She's, yeah. she's like a second mother, you yeah. know, and we're very close. Um, yeah, she totally, uh, negates all that stereotype yeah, of the evil totally. stepmother, yeah, the yeah. polar opposite. But but yeah, my my family just really welcomed me with open arms when I moved there, and it made the transition a little bit easier. But it goes without saying. I mean, obviously, I I, I had a hard time leaving my my friends in Paris behind, and then when I moved to New York, it was hard for me to leave my friends in Ireland and in in, yeah. in Europe behind. Um, you know, with I still had Facebook at the time, like with social media, it made made it a little bit easier right. to stay in touch and stay connected. But I think that I do have a pretty good ability to adapt. And it definitely took a little bit of time, you know, in each new place to acclimate and familiarize myself with my surroundings and the people and the etiquette, you yeah. know, like etiquette is different here than it is in Paris than it is in Ireland, totally you know, different. So, <laughs> so I had yeah. to mold myself a little bit and, and adapt in that sense. But it was fine. It was fine. And for what it's worth, I'm really glad that I got to see the world through different lenses per yeah, se. You I mean, know? what and a great experience to have as a human, you know? I think it's, I, you know, I, I, I think it's safe to say that I wouldn't be the person that I am today without the experiences that I've had over the course of my life. And, you know, living in different countries has had a big impact and, and played a very important role in shaping me into the person I am today. Yeah, it's so beautiful, man. And, <laughs> and, and when you moved here, you know, was it still very much music you were focused on? Or were you at this point thinking about acting? 
you know? I think acting's always been in the back of my mind, yeah. you know? When you love something so much the way that I love film, yeah. you want to contribute to it totally. you know in in some way shape or form you want to be able to contribute to an art that you're so passionate about and i think that because that spark you know has always been there for me with film part of me has always wanted to be able to be a part of that yeah um, well, it's also just in your blood you got a mom and a dad you yeah. know and like you said you're either gonna follow in their footsteps or you're gonna run for the hills <laughs> yeah you're gonna yeah totally <laughs> and uh yeah. and so yeah when i moved to you know to answer your question when i moved to new york i was uh i was definitely still focused on music primarily and hoping to you know make a career for myself as a singer songwriter but as time went by like i said to you earlier you know i started feeling the monumental pressure of you know the music industry and and and, yeah. and feeling like was I, berkeley like your ultimatum like to get there i mean you know i think that ironically when i got into berkeley i thought to myself i really have a, a chance you know i really yeah. have an opportunity to pursue this you know because yeah. it, it felt like a big deal when i because i got in you know based on my audition totally. of, a, of an original song and then when i got there it actually i had the opposite feeling it was like like i said like i was i was falling behind in my classes and i'm, I'm self-taught on everything and all yeah. of a sudden i was expected to keep up with you know people this... that know how to you know treble clap bass clap like just can just do i still don't yeah. know what that yeah. means <laughs> Yeah. And uh, it was at that point that yeah. I think it sort of started going downhill from there. Yeah, and I, I tried. I really tried to keep pursuing it. Here's the last thing I'll say about music. I think that ever since I decided to take a step back from being a musician, yeah. I've found that that joy and therapeutic value in writing songs again like now when i write songs there's no pressure for it to be anything yeah. but just an outlet a creative outlet to um express how i feel through music that's beautiful so. man and um i'm curious because like obviously you and i've worked out so many times together was athleticism always like a part of your life like because i know you box a lot like yeah you, and obviously just because you have the body like you're a runner like do you was that always a part of your life or is that something that came later it, <laughs> yeah it definitely came later <laughs> i yeah when i was a kid i i you know the idea of like being uh, you know an athlete or going to the gym never Jump really appealed to, exhausting. Oh, forget about yeah. it you know i was always amazed but my dad's a very disciplined athlete you know he trains hey, he was a runner right he was a runner yeah. yeah and he was a boxer and he uh he trains every day it's amazing and and uh he's in such great shape and so healthy and i never saw that for myself yeah um and then i think you know i think it all started when i got into rugby living in ireland and uh you know i joined the rugby team and and from there on out i just got more and more into fitness and then i got into you know, weights training. I got into circuit training. I'm a big hit guy and, and boxing when I moved to New York. I yeah. love boxing. It's such a great way to blow off steam. Obviously, with the modeling and the work that I've done in fashion, there were certain expectations what, for me to be uh, in, in shape. You where know? did that come in? Talk to me about when did the, because the, obviously in Paris, you're, you know, I'm sure with your mom going to shows and things like that, or with your dad even, you know, but when did it, you finally like get an agent and start? Because like you could do that like fourteen, fifteen, right? Where you can start. Yeah, I think I think now kids are modeling when they're fourteen. Yeah, Kaya was doing it like at thirteen. Yeah, right? she started pretty young. Yeah. 
that would never have been in the cards for me just because I was raised in a pretty sheltered environment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I know that my parents would have never wanted me to be exposed to the darkness. Of that. <laughs> the darkness. <Yeah. laughs> rest, I will say, though, rest in peace, Virgil. That's very sad. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Rest in peace, Virgil. I, I, I saw the news yesterday and yeah, I, I actually never. I never met him, but, you know, from what I hear and what I read, he was a very, I mean, he was so driven and passionate yeah. and, you know, just such a role model for so many people. But, I had um, a five second high and by with him, but he seemed like a genuine dude. Yeah. So uncorroded by the pretentiousness of that side of, you know, the world. And it was just so cool to see that energy because it's like, absolutely. I was like, wow, he seems like a really good guy. Yeah. You know? Totally. Yeah. Totally. As you, you know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so talk to me when you did get into that, like, I've always wanted to ask this, so I'm glad I, I guess you're the first model I've had. Like, to take a photo is not a good one. You know, it, it is like, it, it, there is an exercise. It's not easy, you know, to, to model, so to speak. It's yeah. not just obviously like, you know, the cliches of being skinny, like, did you see that as performing in a way? Uh, to an extent. Um, I think that, you know, I, I, I've always been signed to my agency as a talent, which I think has more often than not given me a little bit more freedom in terms of how I, you know, because I think that in fashion, it can be a bit not dictatorial, but I think that, you know, certain creative directors and, and photographers have a very specific you know, a vision and image in mind. So they sort of just push you to create that for them, yeah. you know, whereas I feel like as a talent, I was able to channel a little bit more of myself. And here's what I'll say. I, you know, I started modeling when I was 19 and... So it was after 18 when you got started. Yeah. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, I was okay. already 19 and I didn't... I wasn't booking anything for the... I was a model despairs, too. <laughs> <laughs> Zoolander, too. Starring Gabriel Candy Lewis and Ryan Perez. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and I didn't book anything for the first, like, seven or eight months of being signed. I had half a mind to just tell my agency, like, listen, I, 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 I just... I got better things to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe I'm just not cut out for this. Yeah. And, then, and then I booked my first job, and it all happened so quickly for the next two or three years i was jet setting shooting all these campaigns attending all these events you know sitting front row at fashion shows and was that fun like it was until it wasn't yeah you know totally. it's just um i enjoy fashion i'm not passionate about it you know working in fashion there, it was a lot of fun but it was it was a lonely lifestyle you yeah. know i was i was traveling to somewhere a new place like every week or every other week and yeah. i was spending a couple days at a time alone in a hotel room you know and I, there was something isolating and totally. alienating about that and i have to say i got imposter syndrome quite a bit as well you know yeah. i feel like i don't look like the typical model and it created a comparison to others where there wasn't one yeah. you know uh, did you initially. feel like you experienced maybe not even just in modeling but like people having animosity towards you because of your last name absolutely yeah i was accused of nepotism like all the time yeah. you know you know just another you know Hollywood. by nature of anything because of that it's so i get it man i've had so many people in the show you know jack houston yeah. and, and others that have talked about it it's so tough and listen people are free to you know voice their opinions and believe what they will 
at the end of the day, like, you know, it was paying the bills for me and I wasn't going to I've stop known you. Me. Like, yeah. we, we both work very hard. Like, we both had survival jobs. Like, it's not glitz glamour. We're staying at, you know, the Bowery Hotel. Love the no. Bowery, though. Um, <laughs> but, you know, man, like... I've so, been broke as much as I've been flush. You yeah. Know, I... I I think people often have a... They think it's private jets and Oscars, you know, and And it's not. You know, I've had it good and I'm very fortunate to have been raised, you know, in the settings that I was, but I've been financially independent since I was 19 and and it's not always been easy. It's actually been, you know, stressful. And listen, I'm just trying to make ends meet, you know, and that's that's why I got into modeling. I got into modeling because I had bills to pay. And, you know? and and when you were interested in the arts, you know, were, were, were both your mom and your dad receptive to it? You know, because like, I feel like, you know, those people that have done the journey, they know how hard it can be. So inadvertently, it can be like, this shit sucks. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think I think that, you know, both my parents will always support me as long as I'm, you know, putting in the work. Yeah. Um, and as long as they see that it's something that I'm I'm serious and passionate about. And, and that, that isn't just a fad, yeah. you know? Right. When I told them about this first film that I booked, they were... Can, can, can you... Uh, I mean, I know there was a deadline article, but can you tell people what it is? Yeah, with pleasure. Um, so I just uh, wrapped uh, my first feature film, which is called Terror on the Prairie. Shot in Montana? Yeah, we yeah. shot Yeah, we shot in Montana near Yellowstone. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, it's uh, directed by Michael Polish. Um, it's produced by Bonfire Legends. And... Uh, Man, I mean, it was such a... How did this come your way? Well, I, you know, I had a Zoom call with the director in September and, uh, you know, I'd read the script and I found it very appealing. Yeah. And uh, we it's talked a, Western, a little bit. right? And, yeah. Yeah, it's a yeah. Western. Yeah, it's based in the, um, it's set in the 1860s. It's post-Civil War. It's about a, a group of four outlaws that are terrorizing this family that just built their new home, a pioneering family. And I play the kid. Um, that's my character's name, and uh, I'm one of the outlaws, and wow. we had so much fun. I, it, it was the best possible introductory experience to that, that was your first this. like long form piece, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how, I mean, was it just you know? I've acted in some shorts, and you know, I was in a French speaking feature film with my mother when I was a kid. Got it. Um, but I was just a kid, and I you never did any of your dad stuff. No. Yeah. No. 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 Wow, that's crazy. And so then when you were here. <laughs> You know, you get the script and you get this call. We're in this pandemic. Yeah. Was there a question mark about when that project would even go? No, they were ready to go. Oh, they man. were. Yeah. I, I I had the call with the director in September, and in October, first week of October, I was in Montana. Wow. Yeah. So talk to me about on that flight there. Were you just like, <laughs> I'm doing this? Like, well, what? you know, I, I mentioned imposter syndrome. Um, you know, with the modeling, and I most definitely felt it for acting. You know, yeah. I was like. Well, especially really, like given your dad's reputation, I'm sure by yeah. by nature everyone expects some crazy method guy to walk in. And, yeah, and you I know. actually stayed in character while we were shooting. You know, um, you know, as long as I was on set, I was in character. You know, as soon as I put that costume on in the morning, yeah. I was the kid, and I was the kid until we were done for the day. And um, at the end of the day, I think I was putting more pressure on myself than I needed to, you know, because I felt like I had, um, you know, uh, something to to live up up to. to. Yeah. Yeah. And shoes to fill. Um, And, you know, so the first week I got there, we did all the prep work. You know, it was like pre-production. We were doing firearms training. We were doing horseback riding. We were doing table reads and chemistry reads and et cetera. And, and, you know, I I was getting nervous. I was getting really, really nervous. And I remember my first day of shooting, 
went so unbelievably well. And, uh, you know, the director texted my manager telling him that, you know, he was so happy. It was brilliant. And those are his words. And, uh, and, and, and that just, that gave me a boost of confidence. And, um, and from there on out, I just, I told myself, I affirmed to myself that I had earned to be there and you that did, I, man i've watched the work you know <laughs> it's so i'm so proud of you yeah. dude and I, I i really i'm really happy i feel like i i gave it everything i left everything out there yeah and it was it was an intense shoot i mean it for, looked like, and it was I, I mean not that it was your production but it was in the middle of the rust tragedy you know yeah i mean so yeah you know just just to touch on you know like how it looked for us out there, you know, it was 30 degree weather. We're riding around in the snow. We're freezing cold, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you're kind of living the life of the character, you know. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, I think I think that those conditions that we shot in really brought out the grit in the characters. And yeah. and this movie's a thriller. I mean, it's 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 a gory, crazy action packed thriller. And I think that that. Those conditions we shot and really brought out performances that might not have been there if it weren't for the 12-hour days that we were shooting, the horseback riding in 30-degree weather. And we were 7,000 feet elevated in altitude. And, wow. and we were running around with these, like, 20-pound rifles, like, uphill sprints. And, you know, it was so much adrenaline pumping, yeah. too, because we were being shot at and we were shooting back and returning fire. And, you know, there were explosions. I mean, totally. I don't want to give too much of it away. The trailer comes out in January. Oh, dude. comes out next spring. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a good one. But um, you got to come back when, when, that, when that's out. Oh, yeah. I'd love to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to. So you do this experience. It's your first movie, mm -hmm. right? Do you leave this just like so hungry for more, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, what ended up happening is the same thing that would happen when we would be like preparing a, a school play for four months and then we'd have two days to perform and then it, it, it was done. Yeah. Like, what do I do it, with it was like, shit, yeah. what do I do now? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, 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 uh, sort of what happened with this film. It's like you get this incredible high and then I rapped and, and, and I just crashed. Yeah. I can't. I imagine. crashed, but I was bit by the bug. I know that I want to, keep pursuing this you know i i've been auditioning for stuff for six years and uh i think that this project could finally get the ball rolling it's the first thing anybody's ever going to see me act in yeah. and uh i'm really happy with the work that i did and i really hope that uh you know things start happening you know for for, for me in film but uh but yeah it was it was such a such a low when we when we when we wrapped and you know a, a couple weeks after we wrapped i found out that my my friend Heath Freeman, um, you know, who was my co-star on the film, and he was like an older set brother, and 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 we 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 had this incredible bond. I actually spent about a week at his place. We were getting up at six a.m., working out, juicing, and then going to set together, running lines together, going to the Bozeman Hot Springs together. One day there was a snowstorm. We got stuck in his truck for like six hours on the highway. Wow. And, uh, you know, all that to say that I passed found out that he passed just, away yeah. tragically. Um, he was in his late 40s. He was an incredible actor. I mean, watching him work was yeah. so such an honor and uh and he really he he was like a mentor an older brother a dad figure whatever you want to call it we were very close and and i looked up to him and i was heartbroken you know finding out that he had uh he had passed away it was really sad for me and um i'm really sorry man. and i'm yeah thank you and um you know i i'm I'm gutted that he won't be here to see the work that we did together. Yeah. I talked to the producer and the director last week, and they said that they were able to show him a sizzle reel at the rap party, which I wasn't there for. But at least, you know, he he passed knowing that he'd, 
you know, he, apparently he cried when he saw the sizzle reel. He wow. was bawling his eyes out. That's what the producer Dallas told me. And, uh, you know, I, I think, I think he, he was a despairing actor too. I think, yeah. you know, I don't obviously don't want to speak for him, but yeah. I think that it was really hard for him to get work over the years. I and this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so you and I both. Yeah. And, 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 and this, this project really gave him a chance to shine. And, uh, and I, I, I can't wait to see his, his beautiful face in this movie that we made together. That's so beautiful, yeah. man. And, and I'm curious, you know, obviously growing up as such amazing artists as parents, you know, I'm sure that curated the best like mm-hmm. cinema for you and things like that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like now living in this content saturated time where like Netflix has got a show, Hulu's got a show, Essential Water's got a show, like, do you feel like you get seen for more things or it's because it's so crowded now, it's harder to huh. get in for things? You know, I'm actually very, very picky and selective about the stuff that I even tape for. Yeah. Um, I think like I always, you know, I always made that decision to just, you know, not just read for everything that got sent my right. way. You know, my, my manager, Oren, is, is so great about, you know, sifting through the stuff that he feels like I've. You're not going to do gossip girl, you know? <laughs> 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 no offense to Gossip Girl. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the original. <laughs> yeah. We'll bring um, that back. Yeah. But um no, I I you know, I I've I I've I was very clear with my my manager, you know, from the get-go that I wanted to do, you know, like high quality projects that some like roles that I could really sink my teeth into yeah. like a good script, a good director and a good cast, you know, and, 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 and a, and a role that I feel like I can really throw myself into, totally. um, has always been, you know, what I've wanted. And obviously like, you know, if I do decide that I'm going to drop everything to become an actor, I, you know, and it's going to become my livelihood, I, I might not have the luxury of, you know, picking and cherry picking yeah, what I read for, survive. you know, yeah. exactly. I have to make a living at the end of the day, but it is very important to me that I am invested in the work that I'm doing, yeah. you know? And so to, to answer your question, like I, I think, I think I've always been so selective, you know, about the stuff that I've gone to audition for or read or tape for. And I'm sure you um, learned that from your parents too, just like by taste making, like what's, you know, the, what are good things and what aren't the greatest things, you know? Absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I feel like maybe my, you know, selectiveness could be misconstrued as like, like arrogance yeah. or, or, you know, like, uh, being overly confident, but it's not that it's just that I love film so much that I don't want to, be a part of something that I don't love. No, you know? of course. So yeah. it's more out of respect for the, the work than out of people's than time. My, than my yeah. ego. Yeah. You know, it has it's nothing to do with my ego. It's it's everything to do with you know my love for for cinema. So that's beautiful, man. Do you feel you know because we did touch on this earlier that theater, if it did come calling, like if I'm you know doing. I don't know, The Crucible, you know, I know your dad did the movie, but like, would you ever do a play? Do you Hell yeah. Like you would? Yeah. I, you know, I think that most great actors have, it's almost like a, a rite of passage. You it, have it's to, imperative, I think, yeah, you know, you have to do theater. 
Um, yeah, both my mom and my dad have been huge. Yeah, didn't you say like a, you texted me like a year ago that your mom was in a play here? Yeah, Wasn't she How, she was. Yeah, <clears throat> she I, was. She was in a. I think it's the first time she's ever actually performed on stage in the United States. Wow. I sadly never got a chance to see that play. Yeah. I, I heard wonderful things. I had a couple friends. I was I was in France. When I know. It was you texted me and I was like, I don't know your mom. I don't yeah. want. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I had a call. You know, she asked me if I had any friends in New York that I wanted gone. to go see. Yeah. And it's a shame you did. Yeah, but, you know, hopefully the opportunity presents itself again. And but yeah, theater is something I am so open to, willing to, and and eager to do. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, like you don't you don't get a second chance in theater. No. You know, that's 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 and, and, the thing that really sets it apart from. It's like you're there in that moment, live coming at you from the stage. It's not you know, okay, let's just let's let's go again. You know, there's yeah. no let's go again. It's like it has to it has to go the way it needs to go now. And I think your selectivity, as with any actor listening, can relate. It's like it's a form of commitment, right? You know, like you don't want to commit yourself to something that you're not that interested in doing because like if I'm taking a pottery class and, you know, I don't know, Long Island, I'm not I'm not that into it, but if I like there's something more interesting like a exercise class here that like that's in my lane then i'll want to do that yeah. and it doesn't mean that pottery's bad you know it's well just... the thing about the thing about film is you know you're it, it, there are a lot of moving parts and 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 when you commit to something you're com you're not just committing yourself you're committing to a huge group of people that have come together and, plus, to, yeah. to, to make this and 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 i i, I it certainly wouldn't be fair to anybody involved in a project if i wasn't there giving 110 percent because i wasn't fully immersed in that work you know and i think i think it's safe to say that like the only times that i'm ever going to audition or tape for something is when i, I really feel like i can give myself to that project yeah. you know do you feel a need to separate yourself from the legends that in the 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 myths that are your parents you know about like and build your own thing because like you don't want to be people expect this or people expect that because of her like yeah. has that been also part of your process of choosing like you want to create your own narrative for for gabriel i think so i mean i don't yeah i mean and i that's not disrespecting their careers at all it's just wanting to be yourself no you know? for sure i i listen i i don't I don't think that I – I don't think I think like that. I, I mean, I mean, yes, like I ideally I'd like to be seen as my own person who's blazed his own trail and yeah. made a career of his own for himself. You know, I think that like there are certain things and critiques and comparisons that are going to be inevitable for someone that's in my position. And how do you how do you deal with that? I just I just shrug it off, man. There's yeah. there's it's. I can't change the hand I was dealt, yeah. and uh, and and it, it is what it is, and and I can only try to make the most of it and the best of it, and 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 you know what? Like I I, I learned a long time ago to just ignore what people like. I I know my truth. I know yeah. what I'm passionate about. I know how I feel about any given thing, and 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 if people, you know, if if I get accused of of nepotism or if I get compared to, listen, like I mean, even being compared to my parents is an honor because they are the fucking yeah the best of what they do incredible actors literally you know, in my eyes. Yeah. And, and, and so and so you know what if if that's as bad as it gets for me being compared to the work that they've done in their amazing careers then i'll take it so. that's so beautiful man <laughs> back to the athleticism parts man you know like you and i've had had so much fun working out together you know people know what i've done but like for you getting into fitness late like i did what advice would you have for people out there that like do get into this later like yeah. you and I both did? 
I think、uh, I have a tendency to try and take on more than I can. Like handle, yeah. I'm I'm very into extremes. You know, I'm a, I'm an all or nothing kind of guy, and like, you know, I had a back injury at one point and a shoulder injury, and and I had to take on close to six months off, you know, working out. And when I went back into the gym, I basically tried like doing all the stuff that I was doing、off. when I was、yeah. at my most fit, you know. Um, and it was discouraging, yeah. You know, because I was trying to do things that I wasn't physically capable of. And so, you know, my my the best advice I could give to anybody、um, getting into fitness at any point in their lives is just brick by brick, you know, and 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 it happens. It happens faster than you think, but you just have to ease into it because otherwise, you're you're putting yourself at risk of biting off more than you can chew and discouraging yourself yeah, and just and like throwing in the towel. Yeah, 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 and I'm I'm guilty of that as well. But uh, I, you know, I'm I've definitely learned that like. You know, easing into a routine and building up fitness and strength and endurance takes a little bit of time. You know, it's called conditioning.、Yeah. Um, but once once you get that conditioning down, it's you, you'd be amazed at what your body can do. Totally. And 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 I I you know I I have to work out in the mornings. It helps with anxiety. It helps reduce stress and and decrease cortisol levels. And it, it releases endorphins and it makes me feel good. You know, like、uh, I worked out this morning and I feel great. You know,、yeah. it's like. It really does affect my mental health in a, in, in a very positive way,、yeah. um, and it's been very important for my sobriety as well. You know, amongst other things. That's so. so beautiful, man. And and I'm curious, what what have you been listening to recently? Like, what's inspiring you? Music? Yeah, or or film? You know, like what are you watching, dude? So there is one song that I've had on repeat. It's by Juliette Armanet. It's、yeah. spelled、um, Juliette. Okay. And the last name is A R M A N E T. Yeah. And her single from her new album called. Le dernier jour du disco is just such a fucking great bop.、Wow. It's such a fun tune, and I love I love hearing sound like this come out of of, of France. You know, it's just it's not typical to French. Like music yeah, culture, yeah. Other than like Edith Piaf, I can't name. So you know, <laughs> well, this is yeah, this yeah. is definitely a little bit more like contemporary and popular, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> than Piaf. Yeah. But no, it's uh, it's 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 a fantastic song, and and she's very talented. I've been following her for a little bit now, and、uh, you know, I, I've I've been listening to Adele's new album, Ed Sheeran's、nice. new album. They're both singer songwriters that I really look up to and admire for their work. And, you, you working out to music is that a big Thing for you, yeah. I the, so the music I listen to when I work out is very different to the music I listen to when I'm at home、Same. or walking around the city. It's、uh, yeah, you know,、uh, song. There there are a couple songs by Justice. Oh yeah, you know that totally. I totally. They、Dad、get me punk jazz Justice. Yep, yeah, yeah. They get me amped up. Yeah.、Um, so yeah, so I listen to. Music that airs more on the electronic side、yeah. um, when I'm working out, you know, stuff with like heavy, heavy drums and drops and stuff. They just get me pumped.、Yeah. Um, but you know, when I'm, you know, in my downtime, I, I listen to lyrical, melodic. Songwriter. Lyrics are important to you because you're a songwriter, I imagine. Yeah, you know, lyrics are very important to me. It's poetry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 there's something I just like film or just like painting or other forms of art. You know, there's there's a element to music that transports you. You know, and it, it touches on a memory. You know, like it touches on、uh, an emotion, and 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 it's relatable. And it's it's I love any for me. Like art is meant to be evocative. Like any form of art that has 
evoked any kind of emotion has done its job, yeah. you know, whether it's feeling happy, sad, energized, heartbroken, totally. uh, nostalgic, whatever it may be. I, I think that any kind of art, you know, and in this case, specifically music that evokes any kind of emotion is really, you know, doing what it's meant to do. So that's beautiful, man. And, and I'm curious, you know, now that you had this incredible experience and and many more to come. I know, you know, do you have some some goals, you know, because we're close to 2022 yeah. right now, like in the new year, do you have some things you really want to get done creatively, whether musically or film or anything? You know? Yeah, I mean, I think I, you know, the the plan is to keep exploring my curiosity for film. Yeah. Um, Would I, you ever direct? I don't, I don't know that I would. Yeah. I don't know that I would. I, I you know, my... My brother Ronan went to Yale for film directing. And oh, uh, wow. listen, if I decided to undertake anything as a director, as a script writer, as, I, I, there would be a lot of uh, prep work. Yeah. You know, it's not something you just pick up overnight. It's not like, <laughs> like acting you can do or you can't. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, that is, but even, and that being said, yeah. there still is a lot of work that goes oh, into course. getting I'm, ready for- I'm not for, diminishing it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. But, but no, I hear, I hear you, but like- you know the the technicality of di- I mean directing is is it's honestly such an impressive job. Like I mean, Paul Thomas at Licorice Pizza, Sean I Baker. Seen that yet. Is it good? I hear I haven't seen any of it here. It's amazing, but I'm such a big fan of his work. You know, and and I what those guys do. I mean, it is to create something out of nothing. Yeah, is that you know? I mean, acting at least their lines. You know what I mean? Like that's it's true innovation. Absolutely, I think. and. Dude, I'm just so fucking proud of you, brother. Like, <laughs> it's great to see Thanks, you, man, man and, and your energy's radiant and, and vibing. And, dude, we gotta, like, we gotta work out and we gotta take over together, man. I'm just so proud of you, dude. From one despairing actor to another, I hope that we one day get a chance to work on something together. Oh, we will. But, uh, <laughs> this is the final question. And I ask it to everyone that's on the show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to all the Gabriels or the Ryans out there that, maybe aren't in the rooms or struggling and, and have dreams and, you know, don't know how to pursue it and, and don't know how to stop using or don't know how to just just focus or get yep. their head right. Any any words of wisdom you might have for those out there struggling to to find their their footing? I think that changing your environment and it doesn't have necessarily have to be your physical environment in the sense that like you have to move across the country, but changing the people and the places that you frequent and the things that you do um, can have a really large impact. I think, you know, we are the product of our environment, you know, and I think, and I I, I truly believe that. I think that whatever we surround ourselves with is going to be very impactful on the kind of people that we are and the things that we do and the habits we create for ourselves. So I think if we surround ourselves with people that are driven, passionate, focused, serious, uh, healthy, and enhance your quality of life, then the chances of you being successful in the things that you set out to do are that much higher. Um, I think that, uh, you know, for anybody struggling with whether it be, you know, substance abuse or career related or romantically or with friends or with family or anything, anything, even school, um, I think that just creating new habits 
and not being hard on yourself. I think, you know, it's, it's human tendency to, you know, we, we're, we're all our, our tough, our own toughest critics. And we're, I, 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 from, I can speak for myself and say that I'm very tough. I've been very t- tough on myself over the years. And I find that like, progress, not perfection, and really being patient. You know, things don't happen overnight. There's no such thing as an overnight success. Anybody that you might consider to have had an overnight success, that's 10 years of working, you know, leading up to that. And and I think that just be patient, you know, be easy on yourself and, uh, and, and surround yourself with love, positivity, and good energy, and the rest will happen. Well, I love you, dude. Thank you for being there for me, man. You've been a great friend. I fucking love you, dude. We will work together on something. And, uh, dude, come back on when it when this is out. And it's, I'm so fucking thrilled for you, man. <laughs> and, and I'm just going to say to be continued. Absolutely. All right, man. Thanks, Ryan. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. 